I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I sold two rom-coms. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bi-con, bisexual icon, wink. I tried to bring this up last time, but now we're going to do it. Allison sold two books. I did. Uh, one, one of which I haven't even thought of yet. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. We can brainstorm ideas. <laughs> we can come up with situations. But, but first, you have a, a very incoming deadline for the first one. Ah, uh, yes. I have to have a first draft due by December 11th, and um, it's nowhere near done. So that's, I thought I'd have a little break, but... Um, well, you also have your, <laughs> you have your honeymoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good luck to me on hitting that deadline. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to say what uh, what it is about and, and what you announced on your Instagram? If you want to know more, go to Allison's Instagram and you'll be able to see the announcement, but... Yeah. So um, it's called Save My Date which I personally think is very clever. And it's, Extremely. And it's about a couple's therapist whose fiance abruptly leaves her um, six months before her wedding. And so she decides to find a new groom in time to get married on the same day in order to not give up on love and save some money on her non-refundable deposits. And she's like a, she's like a well-known therapist, right? Yeah, so she's like a, um, like she's, like a expert, like a talking head, like you has a big YouTube channel, like a well-known therapist. So then that adds to sort of the stakes of the book because she sort of has an audience following along on on her journey. And this is just based on like entirely something you made up, right? Yeah, like it, just, it didn't yeah, happen to you. To me, I had no, you know, it's not really based on anything I can relate to in any way. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not directly something that happened or based to you, exactly so. on a joke my dad made right after my fiance. They left me. Right. So I really have to credit Ken Raskin with this whole book because he came up with the idea. He was like, why don't you just find someone else to marry you? And on, I remember you and I were talking about like, we'll just do it. <laughs> or you were saying I should take your date and find someone. Oh, really? I don't even remember. <laughs> I was something like that. We were like the big publicity would be if you and I took it. But like, yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so exciting. Thank you. Uh, and and I and I hope I'll turn my trauma into a book one day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> you know what? I'll sell you my story of my broken engagement. Mm. I'll sell you that for your second book. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if they'll let me do two about a broken engagement. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's not. Sorry. For some reason in my mind, I was like, and it'll be two books about broken engagement. (laughs) You're right. The other one could be about anything. Well, I'm excited because, you know, I think talking with my editor, like my my books will have the both hopefully really have mental health themes in them. And like, you know, my Mm -hmm. sweet spot of navigating relationships when you struggle with your mental health, because, you know, the protagonist, you know, has a lot of anxiety and all and then her work as a therapist. So like there's I get to like throw in a lot of of my master's in psychology knowledge into the book. Like I'm like, well, I wouldn't really know what a couples therapist did if I had gone to school. So I guess (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Look, I always said, like, you know, I I know you went to school for screenwriting initially, and I went to school for journalism. But like, I always said, like, 
anything that you're studying or interested in, it's not a waste if you're a writer because it can go into Mm -hmm. your writing. So like anything you've learned from your masters now can go into these characters in these books. And that's like really useful. Totally. All my all my protagonists will be therapists. <laughs> I okay, but honestly, people do that with cops and look and they That's have, true. So you're all of your, you know, protagonists, it's like, oh, this is the detective. Boring. Are they a therapist? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. It's no longer rom com. It's just a series of mystery books where the mysteries, it's like murder she wrote, but it's being solved by a therapist. Okay. Well, now that's an exciting idea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> This is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. And congratulations to you, Allison. Cheers. Cheers over the Zoom. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this week, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking to Alicia Rothweigel all about intersex rights, which is a guest that I've wanted to have for so long. And it was so good. She's incredible. Oh, my God. I was one of those where I was like, I feel smarter now that we've had this interview. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And later we'll be talking all about road rage, primarily because we've been banking episodes and I had to pick an evergreen topic and I came up with road rage. And it is something that I do want to discuss. (laughs) Up next, we got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Alicia Rothweigel. Stay tuned. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy to use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code JUSTBETWEENUS to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code JUSTBETWEENUS. Just between us. 
just between us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Alicia Rothweigel, a writer and activist working to improve the political and social landscape for marginalized populations in the South and worldwide through her firm, Intrepida Strategy. A human rights commissioner for the city of Austin, she advocates for the rights of intersex people like her. Her memoir, Inverse, <laughs> her memoir, Inverse Cowgirl, comes out September 19th. Sorry, it's just such a good title. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Hello. Hi, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I was scrolling social media. I saw a post about your book um, and I thought the title was amazing. And then I started following you and I was riveted. And so can you talk a bit about let's just start from the beginning for people because they haven't absolutely mainlined your content like I have. What What is intersex? Yeah, well, first, before we even get there, I do feel the need to clarify. You mentioned my book title, Inverse Cowgirl which is a play on words for reverse cowgirl, but I'm intersex in Texas, so inverse cowgirl, get it? But like, (laughs) I was reading one review from, they've had some people online pre-review it, and Uh one reviewer was like, yeah, it's inverse cowgirl after the slur for intersex people. And I was like, no, there's no slur for intersex people called inverse cowgirl. I was like, Perhaps this reviewer, I would experiment, I would recommend that this reviewer experiments a little bit more sexually (laughs) (laughs) if they're not aware of what reverse cowgirl means. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. So, so I am intersex and I live in Texas. And for people who don't know what intersex even means, I applaud you for listening to this podcast because I think even within the queer community, when I'm like, oh, do you know what intersex means? And people, I think, are accustomed to saying like, yeah, of course. And then they think maybe it's like a fancy way of saying non-binary or they're just too embarrassed to admit that they don't know. But the I in LGBTQIA plus actually stands for intersex, not invisible. And intersex basically means exactly what the word sounds like. We are born intersex between the sexes. And so that means that we have physical and anatomical differences variations of hormones, chromosomes, internal reproductive organs, external anatomy that don't fit neatly into the male and female binary categories on a birth certificate. So just like most of our listeners probably understand at this point that sexuality is not binary. You're not just gay or straight. There's a whole beautiful world in between. Um, And just like gender isn't binary, you're not just a man or a woman, there's a a whole host of genders that fall somewhere in between on that spectrum. Sex is also not binary. So the physical sex traits that we're born with are also not binary. It's an umbrella term. Intersex is an umbrella term. So there are a lot of different ways to be intersex. My particular flavor, if you will, or variation of being intersex is called complete androgen insensitivity, which is a long scientific sounding medicalized term, which basically means my body does not respond to androgens or male hormones, meaning my body does not respond to testosterone. And so despite the fact that I have XY chromosomes, which I'm sure everyone listening was taught in biology class growing up means that I'm a man or was born male, and I'm putting air quotes that people can't see. But despite having those 
those XY chromosomes. At some point in utero, when I was in my mom's womb, I was like, nah, I'm not going to go that route, which (laughs) kind of makes sense if you know me, because I don't really like following rules. And apparently that started before I was even born. (laughs) But so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go that route. And so my clitoris never evolved into a phallus. My testes never descended outside of my body. So I was born with internal testes. And what a lot of people don't know is that we actually all humans end up or start off looking really, really similar anatomically until around seven weeks of development in in the womb. And so despite the fact that I have XY chromosomes and the fact that I was had internal testes, I was also born with a vagina externally because my labia never turned into a scrotum. My testes never extended outside of my body. And so again, it's like a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of our anatomy is super, super similar. It's just arranged in different ways. And so basically I ended up being born looking quote unquote female on the outside, but having quote unquote male reproductive organs on the inside. And so the fact that I don't respond to testosterone basically means that my testes, my internal testes, they would have produced testosterone, but my body again would have been like, nah, we don't want that. And so it would have converted some of that to estrogen and then it would have peed the rest of that out. And so it's actually kind of like a superpower that I have that I can convert testosterone to estrogen. And it also has some other cool implications. So Like the fact that I don't respond to testosterone means that I have like way less body hair. So I don't grow underarm hair, for example, or it means that I don't produce like sweat odor in my armpits the same way a lot of other people do. So it's funny. I had like a a deodorant company reach out to me recently wanting to do a collaboration for Instagram. And I was like, that's really like kind of you to reach out to me, but like (laughs) <laughs> I don't really produce body odor like that. So I don't wear deodorant. And so, yeah, we, ha- we have some really cool and unique differences and features as intersex people. Basically, it just means that all of our features, all of our physical features don't just neatly fit into one of those two categories that you probably were taught are the only two options. Yeah. At what point did you did your parents and doctors figure out that you were intersex? Yeah. So with me... It happened very early because my parents had gotten into a car crash before I was born when my mom was pregnant with me. And so they had run, yeah. So they had run all these tests on my mom to basically check on me in her, in her womb. And those tests had told my parents that I had XY chromosomes. And so because of that, they were expecting a little boy and they like painted the nursery walls, walls blue. And I I was going to be Charles after both my grandfathers and even, and my dad, and even my mom's name is Charlene, like on both sides of my family, they like really were into the name Charles and I was going to (laughs) be Charles like again. But yeah, so then they were expecting little boy. And then lo and behold, I come out of my mom in the delivery room with a vagina and everyone was like, wait, what? And so had that car crash not happened, they never would have known until I just never got a period one day. Because again, I was born with internal testes. I was not born with a uterus and ovaries. So there was nothing from a a menstruation to come from. There There were no reproductive organs that would menstruate. And so had that car crash not happened, 
I would have been born, my parents would have thought I was your traditional XX female and they wouldn't have found out for well over a deck, an, an additional decade. And a lot of intersex people who have different variations to mine, some of them don't even find out until much later in life. If there's like some unrelated reason that brings them to a hospital and a mm-hmm. doctor ends up performing tests on them or does some sort of surgery in their abdomen and finds something that they weren't expecting in there. So again, like being intersex, there's there's so many different ways to be intersex. And there and people, some people find out from the second you leave your mom or dad or whoever's belly because either you have external genitalia that doesn't fit neatly into those male or female categories. Or like for me, they had done genetic testing that was at odds with what I looked like on the outside. Um, but but a lot of intersex people, they don't find out for sometimes many, many years after. So not even necessarily at puberty, but later in life. It all depends on like the variation and kind of the combinations of sex traits that you're born with. And mm-hmm. one thing that I like to reiterate for people, again, talking about how sex is on a spectrum, that's not just for intersex people. So some cis women grow big boobs and some cis women are flat chested. Some cis men grow a ton of facial hair and back hair and all different sorts of hair. And some cis men can't even grow a mustache. So it's like their sex traits being on a spectrum, that's not unique for intersex people. It's just we happen to be a little bit closer to the center of that spectrum Mm -hmm than a lot of the rest of society is. So I have a question because I'm seeing this more and more, and obviously the I in LGBTQIA stands for intersex, but people, you're right, never talk about it. And now yeah. I was at the an, uh, a trans summit that was like trans non-binary intersex summit. And I was very pleased to see that. But I was wondering what you think, because I feel like we're talking about sex as a spectrum and like transness in some ways is choosing to move forward with certain things or identity choice or feeling like, oh, I have these feelings. But like I was interested in and open, like hearing about like intersex being lumped in with that. Because I imagine some intersex people are like, we are not part of this. We are not trans or non-binary. Like this is not the same thing versus like some people are like, good, this is a community that we can be like a part of. Is that sort of an ongoing debate or how do you feel about that? Yeah, so I have a few it's a multifaceted answer to that. So one, we grow up stigmatized and shamed simply for existing as we are in the world. That's something the entire queer community shares. We undergo conversion therapy just using surgeons and scalpels rather than electric shocks, which is something that a lot of the queer community has experienced. Most of us take hormone replacement therapy, which is something that the vast majority or at least a wide swath of the trans community can identify with. We like all have to, at some point, claim our identity or we grow up or we exist our whole lives in the closet, which is, again, something the entire queer community can identify with. All the overlaps, like we share everything in common with the queer and trans community. What I would say is a little bit of a difference is that because intersex people, we often know that we're intersex from the time that we're born. And so, because we don't have to oftentimes vocalize 
our intersexness in the way that a gay person or a trans person has to vocalize to their family or to their community that they're gay or that they're trans. And so our parents and our doctors start layering the shame on way younger right? because they know oftentimes from the second we leave the birth canal, they know that we're intersex. Right. And so you're being fed these messages from the minute you have cognition, you are being fed these messages like never tell anyone you'll be made fun of. You'll never find a good husband one day. We need to fix you. We, you know, you know, we need to shove you in this box that society is more comfortable with. So like all of the things that the gay and trans community receives through general societal pressure, we as intersex people often receive verbally directly from parents and doctors from when we're old enough to speak words. And so I would say the closet for intersex people is like a million times deeper than it is for gay and trans people. And I say that with confirmation because I know many friends who are trans and are still not out as being intersex. Or I have many friends who have come out as being queer but are still not out as being intersex. Because until we have like a critical mass of people who are out and part of the community and not just the queer community, but like are just out and owning their existence in general, the stigma that we face is still so high. And there's still so few of us that people are like, oh, I don't, I don't even know any other intersex people like in my city. Like, why would I come out and be alone in this? You know? Mm-hmm. And I know that's a reason too that even certain intersex people I know who are out online and like in our online support groups are still not out like on the internet or, you know, with their friends and with their coworkers or whatever. And so what I would say is like, you have to remember that like the stigma, and this isn't like an oppression Olympics, it's just like a fact that the stigma is just much higher at the moment until there is more visibility. Mm -hmm. And with visibility comes other problems. Like with visibility, the target becomes bigger. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. the danger becomes bigger, like as we've seen with the trans community. But with visibility also comes more people coming out Mm -hmm. because we know by pure numbers, like by pure data, that there are way more intersex people in the world than there are trans people. And so it's just, you don't know about us because so many of us are closeted or some of us don't even know we're intersex Mm -hmm. until much later in life. And so that's an added barrier as well to coming out. And so when you think of like all these different factors and like facets, it's like, it's a really multifaceted answer of why I think there is some discussion as to whether we should be included with the community. Like sometimes people don't know they're intersex. Sometimes the stigma is so much higher. They're not ready to be out. We're also fed these messages that we're just like, I was always fed the message that I was a disordered woman. Like I was a woman with a disorder. And so if you buy that message from the doctors, then it's harder to identify as a member of the queer community because you just think you're a woman with a disease. Right. But we're trying to, but we're trying to depathologize our existence because there was actually nothing wrong with me. Like by removing my testes, the doctors created a problem. They created all these medical problems for me that wouldn't have existed otherwise. And so we have to remove that that pathology, just like being trans was considered a pathology until what, like five years ago in the mm-hmm. DSM. And we have to like remove that idea that we're a disorder because when it's still looked at like that, then there's still way more pressure to quote unquote fix us when there's actually nothing wrong with us. We're just different. Yeah, it's the medicalization of, of queerness. 
Yeah. It makes total Which sense. so many people can understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out. And I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit Truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code JUSTBETWEENUS to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code JUSTBETWEENUS. And we're back. Can you talk a bit about like how what the doctors did when you were born and how there's a tendency for for doctors to intervene when someone is intersex unnecessarily? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So for me, I'll share my experience and then I'll share some like broader experiences of the community. My own experience is that the doctors, as soon as they knew that I was born as I am and that I had internal testes. They told my parents that I could get testicular cancer one day and they recommended removing them immediately to avoid that. And if you put yourself in my parents' shoes, of course they're going to do, like if doctors are telling you your kid might get cancer, like we need to remove this body part because they might get cancer one day, you're going to follow what the doctor says. What the doctors, the full picture that the doctors did not paint is that my risk of testicular cancer is somewhere between one and 5% over the course of my lifetime. So much later in life. And anyone who's listening to this, who is born with testicles has a risk of testicular cancer. (laughs) Any one of us who has body parts could get cancer of said body part. And there are certain medical conditions where people are born with much higher rates, potential rates of cancer Like when you look at the BRCA gene, which is a gene people are born with when they have a really high risk of getting breast cancer or ovarian cancer, and the risk is like much higher than one or 5%, much higher than my risk of cancer was. But with those kids, you don't see them forcibly removing those kids' ovaries because they might get ovarian cancer one day. They wait until an age where the doctor is able to have a conversation with the child and say, hey, you might get ovarian cancer one day, much later in life. We can monitor you for cancer like year over year make sure you're safe and healthy. Would you like to preserve your body intact as to not create these other issues? Because by removing those kids' ovaries, 
that's, you know, sterilizing them. And then they would have to take hormone replacement therapy. And there's like all these other implications, right? But with intersex people, we're not afforded that same autonomy over our decision-making. They just say, oh, just take her testes because she has a vagina. So why would she want testes anyway? Like there's like no question. And so by removing my testes though, they took my hormone producing organs and perfectly healthy, functional hormone producing organs without asking me. And by doing that, they put me into hormone withdrawal. And so I have to take external hormone therapy for hormone replacement like a trans person. However, not electively. I did not make this choice. I have to because the doctors chose for me. And also because they did it when I was so, so young and then didn't start feeding me hormones until much later. There was a period when I was in like severe hormone withdrawal because they only started feeding me hormones. So they're like, oh, well, we have to make her look a certain way so that you know people don't know that she's different. And so in that period that I was not getting the hormones my body needed, it was leaching calcium from my bones. And because of that, I have osteoporosis at age 32. So I have like really brittle bones. And so again, by trying to fix me, they broke me. There was no issue in the first place. They could have monitored me for testicular cancer over the course of my life. And I might've never gotten testicular cancer for however long I lived. And my body would have developed naturally. My testes would have produced testosterone. My body would have been like, F that we like estrogen. It would have converted it to estrogen. I would have developed and like, no one would have been the wiser by trying to fix me. They broke me. And for me, it was that internal surgery. For some intersex kids, it's an external surgery. So if these kids are born with genitalia that doesn't look purely male or female, the doctors force it to look purely male or female. And they usually default to making these kids look quote unquote female, because as one doctor has said, it's easier to dig a hole than it is to build a pole. And so they mean it's easier to create a vagina than it is to make a penis. And so they default to making these little kids, quote unquote, girls. And so they take the kids' genitals and they rearrange it and do all this stuff like irreversible surgeries without asking the child. And then the kid grows up and sometimes the doctors made the wrong decision. And then the kid has to then transition because they're like, you made me a girl, but I was never a girl. I'm a boy. And so then they have to transition. And that's why there are a lot of intersex people who are also trans. And that's also why it's ironic that the political right likes to talk about the left as grooming kids to be trans, but they, all of their bills that are trying to prevent trans care for trans kids allow for the same surgeries and hormones to be forced on intersex kids without asking us. And then oftentimes we have to transition. So I would really ask them, who's really grooming kids to be trans here? Right. That was what was so wild to me and in looking into your story is that the access to gender affirming care, it's a, a what is mirror image of each other where it's you're yeah. not allowed to have these puberty blockers and you're not allowed to have uh, HRT and you're not allowed to have surgeries. Oh, but if you have like genitals that look a little strange, we're very scared. We're very uncomfortable. I mean, look, they removed your testes out of fear, purely. Right. And, out of fear. And so like they're like, we're really scared of these middle kids. So uh, so quick, let's just do all the stuff to them. D- let's do all the surgeries and puberty blockers exactly. and hormone replacement therapy that we're not allowing for the other kids. So they're basically saying, don't provide 
this life-saving care to kids who want it, but then force it on kids that have never asked for it. Exactly. How old were you when you had the surgery? And then how old were you when they put you on hormones? When I had the surgery, I was an infant, so less than a year old. And when I went on hormones, I was maybe 12. And they just that whole time, they were like, oh, yeah, this person can exist without hormones. That's baffling to me. Yep. If you want to hear the rest of this episode, and let me tell you, you do, head over to patreon.com slash justbetweenus. And for $3 a month, you can get access to all of our podcast episodes in full ad-free. You can also get merch for this podcast at justbetweenuspod.com or alisonraskinexposed.com. Okay, that's it. Tatala T2. Tatala T2.